0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Unbashful. This is episode 35, and I am excited to talk about today's headliners. We are going to kick it off with my review for Nope. Now, I've discussed many times how excited I am for, how excited I was for this film, and it feels like this, it feels like this year is just breezing by us. Like, it was... It was like january when we first got that that first poster for nope when it just showed sort of like up in the clouds it showed kind of off to the distance there was a small little community and then up in the sky was was like this one very you know specific cloud that had this almost ribbon hanging from it and nobody could make out at all what any of that could have meant and you know, then we got the first trailer, it kind of teased aliens, it hinted towards it, but then that next trailer kind of further solidified that, oh, okay, this is about aliens, this is about UFOs. And there was a lot of discussion going into this film in regards to what's going to be the big plot twist that we're used to, right? Because while Jordan Peele has only made two films now, three, including Nope... There was very significant plot twists in both of those films. If not plot twists, maybe there was um, some kind of sudden, you know, unexpected moment that usually would happen in the third act. And I don't think the plot twist was as maybe groundbreaking in this film, but it was certainly unique. And I think it was very smart. Now I'm not, before we move forward, I will not talk about spoilers. This will be a spoiler-free review because by the time this podcast go up, it's only gonna be a day after the film releases internationally. So I know not enough people have probably had the time uh, to actually get out there and see the film. So I'm going to be speaking very vague. So if you have seen the film, you'll know what I'm referring to, but I won't be going into detail about you know some of the key plot points. But in regards to the plot twist, right? as I mentioned, nothing earth shattering, but I did like it. Now, a lot of people are kind of underwhelmed with it, and I respect that. I, if that's your opinion, I totally respect it. But for me personally, I thought it was very unique compared to other, let's just say, alien genre films. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Um, there was a lot of comparisons to Jaws, you know, and they're definitely warranted now that I've seen the film and I understand why, but at first I couldn't really understand the comparison, you know, the, the comparisons to Jaws. Was it just because the film is about this sort of like entity? I don't really know. Um, now it is, I don't think it's considered a spoiler at this point to to say that there is definitely extraterrestrial life involved in this film i think that's that's sort of been one of the key marketing points but how they explain it all i really liked it and i think it it definitely separates itself from some of the other films that have dealt with that subject matter but i'll leave it out there in regards to these sort of plot twists um now there is one subplot in particular that i will sort of discuss vaguely now one of the characters in the film Uh, particularly Stephen Young's character, plays uh, Jupe. I think his name is in uh, in the film. And he was a child actor who played in a sitcom. And there was a tragedy that happened on set of one of the days when they were shooting that sitcom. And I'm not going to say what happened, but it was terrifying. And it's actually the opening of the film. And it, like one of the most important things about a movie is the first scene right that's why films like the dark knight stick have stuck with me for years there are many times where i will just replay that opening scene of the dark Knight because first of all it looks beautiful so i think it's one of the first scenes ever well first of all it's one of the first movies ever filmed in imax but that scene that opening shot in the dark night not to get sidetracked but you can tell that pretty much that whole scene was shot in imax especially when the when, um, when you're getting sort of the, the close-up of the building and the opening shot and then the glass breaks and it reveals, you know, obviously there's a, a robbery going on. But I will literally just re-watch the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of The Dark Knight just because of how sort of grabbing and immersive and sort of thrilling that first scene was. And I, I experience a lot of those same kind of feelings with this film. Not as strong, but the first scene... It kind of lets you know, like, okay, what's what's going on here, and it definitely builds up the excitement. And they constantly go back to this tragedy because it, it definitely allows for a lot of character insight, especially into Stephen Young's character. You can definitely tr- you can definitely tell that he's dealing with some tragedy. Um, but as I mentioned, I won't go into the spoilers as as for what happened during this tragedy, but it did have to do with the sitcom and it did have to do with Stephen Young's character being a child actor at that time. And then I think probably as a result of what happened, I think he probably stepped away from acting and then he's sort of pursuing this other form of entertainment and he owns this sort of theme park and he runs it with his family. And yeah, I, I will stop it there. Um, but overall, what what are my sort of general thoughts you know did it live up to the hype and I definitely think it did I love this film and I I can definitely tell I'm gonna enjoy it a lot more on my second viewing now I you know I, I think it's just natural for people to ask the question is this better than get out is this better than us and I I don't think I can give an answer for that right now at the very least hmm See, I, I, I'm just trying to ask myself that question right now. And it's, it's definitely a tough answer because I don't think this was the scariest film. In fact, I watched Jeremy John's review for this, and he said that he would not consider this a horror film. And after watching it, I certainly agree. There are scenes of you know, intensity and tension, and they definitely you know, have you on the edge of your seat. But it's 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 more of that kind of feeling you get when you watch a thriller compared to genuinely being scared when you watch a horror film. Like let's I don't know let's say The Conjuring for example. I think the film that probably incorporates the most horror elements and those sort of intangibles that we're used to seeing from you know some of the the staple horror films that we've that we know and love. I would say Us sort of holds that uh, whatever title I, I guess of the scariest film out of all of Jordan Peele's. You know very young filmography um but i am definitely excited to see this again i really enjoyed it and i certainly think it lived up to the hype i I think the runtime was perfect and let me just kind of run through the characters really quick before we move on uh daniel kaluuya of course he was the star of get out i think that film benefited both jordan peele as a filmmaker because everybody kind of knew him just for his comedy sketches with uh with with his with his best friend, I, I can't remember his name, you know, from, from the Key and Peele sketches. Everybody knew him from that, but nobody really knew, at least not myself, nobody really knew that he was an astute filmmaker. And that film kind of really let the world know that we have a brilliant filmmaker on our hands. And he continues to, I think, improve with each one of his films that he's made. I think Us is almost underrated at this point. I think lately I've seen a lot of the discussion surrounding it. And people are saying you know they don't understand it they don't um you know they 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 think there's some some uh, some sort of lacking areas and look if that's your opinion totally understand but me personally well i don't think it's as good as get out i loved it i still loved us and like i said i think it's probably the scariest film that he's made thus far and i'm i'm already thinking about what he could do next now I saw an interview, and Jordan Peele was talking with the press. He was doing his press junkets, and uh, the interviewer, him and uh, the interviewer, I guess they got sidetracked, and they were discussing David Fincher and how he's made a lot of these psycho thriller kind of serial killer genre films. And uh, they were they were talking about Mindhunter and stuff like that, which was pretty uh, pretty cool to see. I love seeing filmmakers gush over other filmmakers' work, and there was even another portion in the interview when they asked him, uh, they asked Jordan Peele about you know, the use of IMAX cameras and, and how he wanted to or they were they were asking him if he used the IMAX cameras in pivotal scenes that made sense for the narrative. And then Christopher Nolan came up in the discussion. Then then the the interviewer asked Jordan peeled have you discussed Christopher Nolan? Because Christopher Nolan has sort of become a pioneer of IMAX cameras. I think it's 70 millimeter, I, I I think that's the that's the technical term for IMAX. I could be wrong. Correct me down below in the comments if I am. And once again, Jordan Peele and the interviewer were just kind of fanboying over, you know, how magnificent Christopher Nolan is as a filmmaker. And we're going to discuss Christopher Nolan in the next headliner, so stay tuned for that. But getting back to sort of the discussion here, I think Jordan Peele—I don't even know where I was going. I went off on a tangent there. But overall, I really enjoyed this film. I really loved Nope, and I think you guys should definitely check it out. I think. So far, he's three for three, and this is another W for him. But let me know in the comments below, were you satisfied with the ending? Oh, yeah, that that's where I was going. I I, I don't want to cut this too short. The characters, Daniel Kaluuya, as I mentioned in the beginning, that was a breakout role for him, and I think that was a breakout role, not role, but that was a breakout sort of you know, project for Jordan Peele. So I think, inevitably, they're going to want to work again, right? We see this with a lot of filmmakers like Martin Scorsese or... Um, you know, even David Fincher, even, you know, uh, who are some other, you know, great filmmakers. Every time I'm trying to like think of somebody, I just draw a blank, but you know, suffice it to say, we've seen filmmakers make a lot of movies with recurring act. Christopher Nolan's an example that with Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer, which we're going to talk about next. A lot of these filmmakers, it's almost like a business relationship. If they feel like they work well together, they're going to want to work together more often. Of course, you know, things, line, schedules, and you know, etc. Um, but I think we just have another case of that with Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya, and I think we're going to see this relationship continue for a long time. I think we're definitely going to see them you know, pair along and tag along in other films. So in Daniel Kaluuya's character, he's a lot more sort of um, reserved. Uh, I would definitely say he's more introverted, but you can also tell there's reasons to that because at the be- at the very beginning of the film, his father dies. And his father dies – okay, well, I won't say why – um, but it, yeah, it very much has to do with the plot, you know, involving the aliens and stuff like that. And it's not a spoiler, you know, in the trailer that his father dies, but he's definitely dealing with that trauma. And you could tell he's kind of holding the weight of not only does he have to, you know, grieve the pain and, and, and sort of grieve the loss of his father but now he's left to essentially be the sole proprietor of this business that his father and his his whole generation of his family has built from the ground up so you could tell he's got to deal with the weight of that and then also he has this ongoing threat with, with something in the sky and then his sister on the other hand is, is more sort of the heartbeat and sort of like the life of the film she breathes more energy so it has that nice sort of offset and that that sort of juxtapose juxtapose i I think I fucked up that word. But, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is there's that nice sort of balance um, compared to both characters. But I love them. And I really like the Angel character. Uh, from that He's sort of like the camera installer. And you could tell he's sort of getting the hint as to, like, why are you guys installing cameras on your roof? And why do you want them pointed up to the sky? So we kind of keys in quickly, like, okay, there's some... So, you know, we're definitely trying to catch some aliens here. So I liked him. I think he, similar to Kiki Palmer's character, I think he breathed a lot of... He was definitely more of the sort of, you know, uh, the, the comedy aspects of the film. I think that sort of started with him. And, uh, you know, I think he's a pretty likable character. And everybody else was great. There was one character that had a, a very short um, sort of uh, role, a very minimal role. And I was pretty surprised and I had no idea she was going to be in the film. It's the, um, I I think the actress's name in real life is uh, Barbie something, but she plays in Euphoria. Uh, She's one of the main characters in Euphoria and she had a very, very short uh, role in this film. And it's not really a spoiler because she really didn't add anything to the narrative per se, but it was nice to see her. Um, I guess that was kind of a spoiler. I I do apologize (laughs) And now that I'm really kind of sitting here thinking about it. Um, I guess you could consider that a spoiler, but honestly, if, if, if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. She's literally in it for like five minutes and I, I don't even, I don't even want to call it a cameo because oftentimes cameos actually contribute to the narrative. She's just kind of there. If you've seen the film, you know what I mean? But anyways, I will cut it off there. Let me know if you've seen Nope. Like I said, I really loved it. Did you love it? Were you kind of lukewarm or did you not enjoy it? Let me know in the comments below. So if you've watched my previous podcast, you know that my most anticipated film of next year, 2023, is Christopher Nolan's next film, Oppenheimer. Of course, if you don't know, it's basically a biopic about the man that created the atomic bomb that they dropped in uh, Japan, in, I think it was Japan, in uh, World War II, 1945, And I don't know what it is, but just something. There's just something so intriguing about that story, and I obviously have seen all of his films, so I can kind of get a general idea in my head of how the film's going to look, or at least the potential of how it's going to look. Now, of course, you know you never know with Christopher Nolan. He's just an absolute genius when it comes to filmmaking. Not the fan. I fucking I'll, I'll, I'll fanboy over him. I fucking love Christopher Nolan. He's one of my favorite filmmakers, if not my favorite filmmaker working today. And you know what? I actually think Tenet was a pleasant surprise. I was really, really excited for it. Sure, it wasn't as good as, you know, The Dark Knight or, you know, even Inception. um, But I actually really, really enjoyed it. I I think the performances were were great. Um, I I really did like the sort of twist with the sort of spy espionage. Sort of, at first it was a little bit confusing to understand. But then, you know, when you sort of rewatch it and, and sort of kind of, look over, look it over again, analyze it from a different perspective. That's the thing about rewatches. They can really kind of change things with how you watch films. There's films I've watched that I absolutely hated on my first viewing. And on my second viewing, I looked at it from a different point of view. And then I just found this newfound appreciation for them. And then I, I, they ended up being one of my favorite films of all time. Um, I can't even think of an example off the top of my head, but I'm sure a lot of you can probably relate to that. Um, but yes, Oppenheimer. So... I I know they're filming this, but I did not expect to see anything for this till early next year. And I saw Nope yesterday. I saw it on Friday. And a couple of my friends went to go see it on Thursday night, like at midnight. And I got a text from one of them saying, actually from both of them, because two of them are brothers. I got a text from them saying that, dude, they just dropped a short but sweet teaser for Oppenheimer. And I... I immediately, of course, was like excited, but I immediately was almost disappointed because I had heard zero announcement that there was going to be any any sort of trailer teaser for Oppenheimer. So once I heard that, I, I figured, oh, well, they saw the film in IMAX. They It was on opening night for Nope. My impression was it was just going to be exclusive to those who saw Nope opening night almost like as as a kind of nice little like present, like you're seeing the film in IMAX. We got this other film in IMAX, because of course it's universal. We have this other film on IMAX coming next year. If you see the film early, if you see the film right at midnight on Thursday night, we're gonna give you a short little sneak peek. Now I was wrong, thank, thank God I was, and they actually did show the teaser for the film when I saw it yesterday. And holy fuck, I cannot wait for this film. Now, I, I couldn't wait. I looked it up on YouTube. I watched some shitty TikTok quality of it. And I was still blown away. But seeing, it was, it was only like 30 seconds. There was a, you know, some narration from, from some other characters. I think I picked up Gary Oldman's voice. I think I even heard Robert Downey Jr.'s voice. And they're kind of just talking about how this is the most important man. Because at that time, he pretty much was. This was the guy that was creating the ultimate weapon, the ultimate sort of power leverage during the World War, uh, during the Second World War. So at that time, he he was one of the most important human beings on the face of the earth. He was cultivating this, you know, this, this, this mass weapon that could kill millions of people. So, yeah. And you see little short glimpses and you could, oh my God, you could tell this film is going to look beautiful. Now, you know, I've speculated how, you know, could they, you know, could Christopher Nolan find some legal way to actually drop an atomic bomb. I don't think we're actually going to see that just for, you know, obviously liability reasons. I think safety reasons, I mean, liability safety kind of fall under the same, you know, umbrella, but I I just don't think we're going to see it. However, I think they're just still going to pull off some kind of explosion. And then I'm sure in post-production, they'll kind of amplify it to make it look like a nuclear bomb went off. But I am, I, I am just so excited. And we see, First, we're introduced to kind of like shots of, you know, almost like the flames building, the sort of mushroom cloud sort of, you know, developing right before our eyes. And then through that, we see shots. We see the first shot of kind of like J. Robert Oppenheimer's sort of infamous hat that he's, you know, that he, by the way, this is obviously, you know, a, a real person. I, I mentioned this as a biopic, but I just want to be clear. This is obviously based off a true story. If that wasn't clear enough already, we see shots of his hat, of sort of the kind of equipment that he wears. And then we see one final shot. It looks like he's, he's he's walking with sort of like the press following him, trying to trying to get him to, you know, you know say a quote or something like that. Um, and then that, that's it. That's all we see. And Killian Murphy, I'm a huge fan of Killian Murphy. Now, of course, as I mentioned with Daniel Kaluuya, this is an actor and it, this is an actor-director combo we've seen many, many times. However, it's kind of interesting because every time Killian Murphy has worked with Christopher Nolan, it's been in a pivotal role. But a supporting role at the same time. Dunkirk, he played. I think. I think um, they they talked about in the screenplay how he didn't even have a name. You know, they identified him as. I think it was like the the broken or like the lost soldier or, or soldier or something like that. And then of course he was Inception. He had a very very key role in that film. And then he was also of course in uh, Batman Begins. He played Scarecrow. And then he had a very short role once again as Scarecrow in The Dark Knight. Um, and I actually he was even in The Dark Knight Rises for. Another, I think it was even less than he was in uh, The Dark Knight. So he's worked with Christopher Nolan on like five movies. Um, but now he's at the forefront. And I think this is the first time he's been in a lead role for a film in, in quite a few years. Obviously, he did Peaky Blinders, but I'm talking about you know feature films, not television shows. Um, and I'm just going to run through the cast here. But yeah, that teaser, I almost wish my friends didn't tell me about it. Because once I watched that teaser on YouTube... It almost deflated all of my excitement for Nope. Because, you know, and don't get me wrong. I was still excited for Nope. And obviously I just talked about how, you know, how much I love the film. Um, But it almost drained my immediate, you know, excitement for the film. Because I was just like, oh my God, this just looks 10 times better. Now look, I'll be honest with you. I know I'm being reactionary. I know this film could be terrible. But I don't give a fuck. I am so excited for it. And let me just run through the cast. This cast, I mean, this film, must the budget must be $300 million. This is some amazing talent. Of course, starting off with Killian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer. Then we got Robert Downey Jr. who's playing Lewis Strauss. Then we got Matt Damon who's playing Leslie Groves Jr. And then we have Emily Blunt playing uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer's wife, Kitty Oppenheimer. Then we have Florence Pugh who's apparently playing uh, some sort of head of a communist party who, who also was the uh, sort of like... Uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer's like, like mistress, like they had like an affair with each other. So that'd be pretty interesting. Then we have Josh Hartnett, who I haven't seen in a while. He's going to be playing uh, Ernest Lawrence. Now the rest of these actors, I couldn't figure out what roles they're playing, except for one of them, Scott Grimes, who's a, who's a playing says uh, a member of the council. Then we have Benny Safdie, who's, you know, to be determined, uh, Gary Oldman, Jack Quaid, who's, who's of course one of the breakout actors from The Boys. I'm particularly not a fan of The Boys, but I obviously understand that that film is, or that show rather, has developed you know a, a huge following. Um, and I, I did watch the first episode and I liked him in that. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, who, we, who we've of course seen in a couple of Christopher Nolan's films like Tenet and Dunkirk. Uh, by the way, I think Dunkirk, out of all of Christopher Nolan's films, I think Dunkirk is actually one of the, One of the slept-on films, one of the underrated films, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Then we have uh, Aldo Alden, I think his name is, uh, Einreich, I can't pronounce his name. He played uh, played in the Han Solo film, of course he played Han Solo. And I actually just watched a film the other day that starred him in in a supporting role. I think it was called Hail Caesar. It's a film that's directed by the Coen brothers and it's pretty much, it's, it's it's about Hollywood, it's about an, an actor who goes missing while, while they're shooting a film. You guys should actually check it out, it's pretty good. Let me know in the comments if you've seen it. It's about George Clooney, who's an actor in this sort of gladiator film, and one of the extras uh, basically, like, drug him, and they kidnap him, and they take him off to this sort of, like, uh, beach house, and it's just this, this really kind of, Weird plot, but pretty interesting. And then one of the characters in this you know, film is an actor, and it's that actor is played by this actor, Aldo Einreich, I can't pronounce his name, and he plays a sort of like hillbilly kind of Western actor, and I actually liked him in that. So I'm curious to kind of, I I want to watch more of his films leading up to this because I think he's actually a a pretty good performer. And then we have Dane DeHaan who's a really good actor. I loved him in Chronicle. And you know what? I even kind of liked him as Harry Osborn in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 for his, you know, short role. But I think he's a really, really good actor. And then, I think that's all I got. That's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much the only actors I could find on IMDb. But yes, Oppenheimer. I cannot wait for this film. I'm... I don't give a fuck if I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm calling it right now. We can go back to this moment next year. Oppenheimer will be the best film of 2023. I'm calling it right now. I'm going to look like a jackass if the film completely flops. I will stand on my two feet. I don't care. I'm saying it with dignity. I'm saying it with conviction. I think this film will be amazing and will be a complete masterpiece. I don't give a fuck if I sound reactionary. I'm excited. If you guys are too, let me know what you think. Have you seen this uh, teaser? You know, I don't know if they're going to release it on YouTube. I got a burp. Sorry. <laughs> Coffee burp. Um, I don't know if they're going to release this film or the, not film. I don't know if they're going to release that little short teaser on YouTube. I'm sure they probably will, but probably not for a while. I think they'll want to use it as almost like an attraction for people to get more viewers, of course, to, you know, to, or to buy a ticket and go see Nope. Um, but yeah, if you've seen Nope and you've seen that teaser, let me know what you guys think in the comments below and let me know if you're excited just as much as I am for Oppenheimer. So not only did Nope come out yesterday, but another film that I've actually been really looking forward to came out yesterday, a streaming film, and that is the Gray Man directed by the Russo brothers who of course have made their stamp Uh, Directing films like Avengers Endgame, which we all know and love. Infinity War, which some people consider to be the greatest comic book film of all time. Uh, Personally, I think it's Avengers Endgame. Just my opinion. Don't attack me in the comments. And then, of course, they directed Winter Soldier, which I believe is the most overrated MCU film. Still good, but definitely a little bit overrated. And then they directed Captain America Civil War, which I very much enjoy. Which, of course, is the introduction of MCU Spider-Man. And, you know, say what you will about Tom Holland, but I've enjoyed his portrayal this far. And I think I'm excited to see where they're going to go now that they've essentially used these first three films as the origin tale. And now we're going to see sort of like an independent Tom Holland, Peter Parker, MCU Spider-Man. So not to get sidetracked, but I'm excited for that. Now, of course, I haven't seen many of the Russo Brothers films outside of of course, what they've done with Marvel. I'm just being entirely honest. I think they have that one film with Chadwick Boseman, uh, 21 Bridges. I've seen Extraction, which they didn't uh, they didn't direct those films, but they produced those films. And you know, I thought I thought Extraction, you know, was nothing amazing, but I thought it was actually kind of a pleasant surprise. That it was really entertaining, and you know, of course, working with another MCU actor. The MCU's got a lot of talent. You know, rest in peace. But Chadwick Boseman, of course, is you know like an Academy level actor. Um, and then, of course, they work with uh, Chris Hemsworth on Extraction. And I think they're actually making a sequel to that, which I'm actually really excited for. But now this film, another Netflix film. Uh, now, I think you guys know sort of my opinion. I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of the Netflix exclusive films, but I was very, very excited for this. Just obviously the talented directors, the dynamic duo, the brothers, the Russos. And Ryan Gosling, who's one of my favorite actors working today and Chris Evans. I think I was excited to see Chris Evans in sort of a more, you know, uh, antagonist role. I don't think we've ever really seen him in that, at least not not in anything that I've seen. Um, the only movies I've seen Chris Evans in is of course, you know, everything in the MCU, uh, Fantastic Four. Um, he did that one film. It was another Netflix film. I, I didn't particularly enjoy it, but I thought he 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 did very well in the performance. Uh, Red Sea, I think it's called. I think it's a Netflix film. And then uh, I liked him. I liked him in Lightyear. I liked him uh, doing the voice of Lightyear. Um, did I give a review for that film? I think I did. I think I did. But anyways, so of course we have Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna De and I don't know the actor's name, but he's from that show Bridgerton. I've never seen it. Uh, I liked him as well. And then there's that other actor. He's been in a lot of movies um but I the 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 thing that comes to mind when I think of him is the first season of Argo. He's sort of like that sadistic kind of like uh you know, assassin whatever. And so you know, the talents there behind the camera in front of in front of the camera. But overall, if I'm being entirely honest, I felt this was just a generic action film. I feel like this is a movie that I've seen before even from some kind of plot points, not everything in the plot, but there's some some certain beats in the plot that I feel like are are kind of similar to other films. Now, that's not like bad. There's a lot of, you know, baseline stories that we often see get recycled in different movies, but it's how you execute that. And it's how the, the direction, the acting, everything in that sort of umbrella, that is what sort of separates it from other, you know, portrayals and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is a movie I've seen 10 times, to be quite honest with you. Now, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. And I was actually very much looking forward to it. Um, just in terms of the characters, I mean, I, I liked Ryan Gosling. He's, he 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 played, uh, you know, we, we've we kind of seen this performance before. He's sort of like this stoic, um, you know, badass. And, and, you know, we've kind of seen that with like Drive. And although Drive, he was more... He's a little bit more reserved, a little bit more kind of, you know, laid back compared to he was in this. But he's a little bit more like Suave, kind of Bond-esque. And his name is even Six in the film, which is, he's talked about in interviews. He's like, people ask him, like, you know, why the name Six for your character? And he's like, well, Seven was taken. Of course, referring to James Bond, 007. Um, and, you know, I liked him. I thought he was entertaining. And overall, like, there are certain there are certainly some, you know, s- some, some positives. Uh, you know, Chris Evans as well. I think he was he was pretty memorable in the film. I, I don't feel like there's a lot of things. In fact, I feel excuse me, I just spit. <laughs> I feel like this film kind of lacks memorability in most areas. But I think Chris Evans is probably the one character that I think I will remember the most. He was just sort of like the most outlandish, the most kind of vibrant, but for the wrong reasons, because he's a sort of like sick, kind of sociopathic psycho that has extreme measures that he takes to sort of complete his mission that aren't necessarily by the book and sort of just like the general plot, you know, I'm going to try my best to kind of explain this in a way that makes sense without of course, spoiling it. So, um, the Ryan Gosling's character six, he, he was a convicted criminal, um, for, you know, for something tragic that happened early in his childhood. Uh, and he committed a criminal act and he was basically going to be stuck in prison the rest of his life. And he got an opportunity from the government, to basically work for them and sort of be their kind of like soldier, their henchman basically forever. indefinitely. I think is what they described in the film. So we will take you out of incarceration. You'll you're, you know, you're allowed to interact with the, you know, the, the, the free world society under our sort of limits and jurisdictions and restrictions that we sort of apply to you. And he's basically under contract with them forever. So he has to be, Basically a mercenary for the government and kill whoever they ask. He can't blink. He can't object. That's sort of his job. And he comes to this sort of moral conundrum because in the beginning of the film, the the first person that he kills, I won't spoil it, but it kind of sets up the whole story of this plot because it's not only who Ryan Gosling has to take out, but what this character was holding. He was holding a sort of a, a piece of intel that could expose certain levels of the CIA and certain members of the CIA. So... Yeah, that's sort of like where it's at, and because the CIA doesn't want to get exposed, they sent another one of their sort of uh, assassins to go after Ryan Gosling, who of course is the the person they sent after. Ryan Gosling is the Lloyd character, who is played by Chris Evans. So, I think I did a, a decent job of, of of sort of you know giving the baseline explanation of the plot, um, but like I said, it it, it just it, it lacked any sort of main kind of moments that are like nothing really stuck with me. Like I'm probably just going to forget about this film in about a week to be quite honest with you. And I, I don't like being negative. And I certainly think that there are some, there were some, you know, moments in the film where like the action was entertaining and you know what? I think that that's pretty much what you should just go into expect. I don't think you should go into expect some kind of like, you know, next level Oscar, you know, performance. And neither did I. Um, but I I feel like I would have liked to see a little bit more done and the film like constantly is just changing locations. Like it's, it's, it takes the term globe trotting to another level. Like we're in only one spot for like five minutes. It, it kind of gets exhausting. We're in like Berlin. Then we're in like, I don't like Vienna. Then we're in like another part of the world. It's just like every like it feels like every like five minutes we're in a different part of the world it's like how are they getting to these places so fast it just like it drained me i need i needed to like take a break in fact when i was actually watching this film i only watched the first half because i watched it as soon as i got home from watching nope yesterday because i knew i was going to do this podcast today so i wanted to obviously be prepared so i i watched the first half and i was getting really really tired because at that point it was like almost 1 a.m and i had to go to my fucking day job the next day unfortunately and uh So I had to wake up early. So I watched the first half. Like I literally stopped watching. The movie's two hours and nine minutes. I think I stopped watching at like an hour and three minutes in. And then once I got home today, I watched the uh, second half of the film. And I do definitely think the second half is... Actually, I don't even know if I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. I I guess I would say the second half of the film is probably the best uh, and there is a, a pretty cool you know fight scene in in the in the climax with Ryan that has to do with Ryan Gosling and uh Chris Evans so you know I, I definitely enjoyed that. So like I said it's not terrible it's not bad. Uh, I think it was just decent um it's if you're going in for it, it almost kind of feels like a classic sort of like you know, Action movie that you just go to stuff your face with popcorn and snacks and just have a good time. And you know what? I think you're gonna get that from this film. Did I love it? No. Is it worth a watch? Yeah, it's worth a watch. And you know, it's, it's, I'd say it's better than some of the last few Netflix films that I've seen. Uh, not the shit on Netflix or anything like that. I don't think, like, obviously, when I say like I'm not a big fan of all of Netflix's films, I can still recognize that they've made Marriage Story. I'm not a big fan of The Irishman, but I know The Irishman got critical acclaim. Like I said, Marriage Story got critical acclaim. They've done Mindhunters. They've done tons of really, really good stuff, but they've also done a lot of things that I kind of think were a little bit uh, mediocre, and I, I I hate using that word. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let me know what you guys think. Have you seen The Gray Man? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Or are you kind of just like me? A little bit lukewarm about it. Let me know in the comments below. So, Comic-Con's happening right now, and actually, I think as I'm doing this podcast, Marvel is having their panel, and I just did not have the time. Today's really the only day of the week that I could get the podcast in, plus I wanted to talk about Nope. while it's still a pretty popular point of discussion. Uh, But yeah, Comic-Con's happening right now, and like I said, I'll cover whatever Marvel talks about in the next episode. I don't even think it's going to be anything that crazy anyways. I think they're sort of holding a lot of the, like the fantastic four kind of announcements with Deadpool three. I think they're kind of saving that for D D23 in September, but that doesn't mean they still didn't show some pretty cool shit. And one of those was John wick chapter four. I actually, I don't even know if it's going to be called chapter four might be called John wick, this John wick, that John wick fucking shoots a cat. I don't fucking, (laughs) I don't know. I doubt that, but, um, yeah, I'm really really excited for the fourth John Wick film. I think they even said that they're gonna make like a like three more. So this is just one of, of, of plenty. And I'm really really excited. And I think that they confirmed that the film was originally supposed to come out this year, but then they delayed it till like almost they delayed it by almost a year. I think the delay announcement came like way back in March. Uh, I, I kind of forgot about that. But they released the first trailer, and of course it wasn't anything you know crazy it was very short it was like a minute long We just see John Wick doing John Wick shit but what I'm excited just to just to do is just to just to revisit this world right like that that's probably the the coolest thing I like about these films is just like the world that they've built with the continental and then with the high table I think that they're called that sort of like John Wick's um, assassin assassination like bureau that he grew up in as an orphan or whatever. Um, I'm just really excited to revisit this world, and I think the third film left us on a crazy cliffhanger with John Wick and Lawrence Fishburne, and I'm just really, really excited to see where this goes. Now, what do I think could happen sort of with this film? Um, It's hard to say because now that we know that there's like three other films coming, it it, kind of makes me think that nothing, you know... Significant is is going to happen within the world of of you know I mean I mean I'm sure something within the main story but I think to the whole sort of Wickverse if if someone hasn't said that already I coined it give me credit I'm gonna call it right now the Wickverse I I, I think we'll definitely see something happen that will contribute to a fifth film and then so on and so forth to a sixth film and whatnot uh, but yeah and and I think. We, we sort of saw a glimpse into this sort of underworld that has to do with Lawrence Fishburne's character and how these sort of like homeless people are actually also part of the secret society. I think we're going to see them sort of, you know, collaborate and sort of help John Wick because now he's, he, I, I can't, it's been so long since I've seen chapter three. Um, he, I know he was like excommunicado and then he went back there and then Winston like shot him or something like that. I can't entirely remember everything, but... Yeah, I'm really really excited to revisit this world and you know, where where would I probably rank all three of these films right now? I would probably say that The first film is definitely my, my, my favorite um, And then I would say the third film Is my second favorite and I think the second film is probably My third favorite my, my least favorite, but I, I you know, I, I still enjoy the second film um, A lot of people have the third as their as their favorite. I I there's just something like so Unexpecting about not even the first film but this whole franchise like to be quite honest with you the John Wick franchise has become one of my favorite franchise films to watch over the last five years um, and I'm just really really excited to see what they're going to do I think next year is going to be awesome is is the best way I can put it it's going to be awesome for movie fans because don't get me wrong, we have a lot of cool stuff that's that's still going to come out this year. Of course, we have Amsterdam. Uh, I think Killers of the Flower Moon, which is Martin Scorsese's next film. I think that is still slated to come out this year. Then we have um, uh, David Fincher's next film, which is of course is supposed to still come out this year in Killers. And then we have Babylon. So we have uh, Bullet Train next month, which I'm very, very excited for. that comes out in a couple of weeks. So there's still a lot to be excited for for this year. But I just think from across every genre, superhero films, horror films, comedy films, action films, suspense, thriller, psychological, everything, next year is going to be loaded. And I cannot wait. And this is just one film amongst many that I'm very, very excited for. All right, guys, that's probably going to cut it short today. A little bit of a shorter episode compared to last episode, which is a little over an hour long. But Let me know what you guys think. If you stuck around this long, I want to thank you for visiting my channel. And if you're new here, please subscribe. I still am a very young podcast. I'm grinding, trying to grow this thing. I have big ambitious goals and I'm going to work my ass off to achieve them. And if you guys want to join me for the ride, I would love to have you over here. So I want to thank you for watching. Have a great night. I wish you all good health, happiness, and everything in between. Have a good one.